And this is Rebels Without a Clue, our pop culture <laughs> podcast. I'm Tony. I'm Brad. And welcome to our Halloween special. Woo! Our second Halloween special, mind you. Wow, what did you do the first one? Last year was Zombies. Oh, yes. That was a great ep. That was a good that episode. Was fun. And that was a long and extensive episode. It was. We could have gone longer, but... That episode in itself should consist of about four and a half hours. Oh, easily. Literally, with the material easily. that we produced from the first one. Yeah, man. Easily. But we could never replicate that. No. No. There's no way. No. Not a chance. It would be completely different again, but it'd still be fun either way. Oh, fuck but Anyways, yeah. back to what we're doing this yes, week. Yes, yes. So, obviously, but it's Halloween. It's Halloween. We are actually recording on Halloween. Which is nice. It's, it's a nice touch. It's got a bit of a vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good. It feels it good. So, this week, you came up with the suggestion for this week, seeing as it's... Halloween. Well, actually, it was your proposition. It was your proposition because initially I proposed the idea of Michael Myers and doing a Halloween. Yeah. But you were hell-bent against the idea because of the concept of jump scares. Yeah. Which is not your forte. Which we've discussed in previous episodes and I have... Mentioned how much of a bitch you are. Yeah. Yes. I'm not going to establish that. that. I won't lie. Yes. Anyway, so I suggested one of your cult classic favourites, Hellraiser. Fuck yes! The original 1987 Hellraiser. Yes, it is etched into my memory as one of my favourites growing up. And like, as a young child... but a lot of the times when I asked you about shit, you Mm. couldn't remember. So you kind of let me down a little bit. No, 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 but do you know what? You, after last night, know how complex that story is. Yeah, which we will divulge. And to try and, and give later. a synopsis to you, you detailing. Know, it was funny. I was talking to a colleague at work, um, and tell and asking, and he asked me what's this, what's Pinhead's story? Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know how to explain it. I don't, I can't explain it. Well, I I'll, don't know. I'll kind of go into my understanding of it, having watched it so many times. Yeah, but just basing off the first movie, you can't really no, but it doesn't gauge for it. And I'll feed into that as well about why they do that. Yeah, but well, you know what? Let's just fucking get stuck into. Beforehand, it. let me introduce because oh, yeah. I'm the only one drinking, so I need to exactly. basically for yourself, you pig. What? Leave me alone. Mm. So basically, I'm sitting here like my self-indulgent alcoholic drinking Jack Daniels and Coke premix. Um, it's the scumbag drink of choice today. It's not. It's a scummy drink. It is not a scummy drink. It's fucking fantastic. Jack and Jim are just you know Jim, those. Jim, I would say, is the scummy. One. Jim and Woody's. Yeah, definitely. They you are just the know it's Craigie Burn scumbags Ugh. that are drinking those drinks under a tunnel because they've stole it from their dad's fucking fridge and they're 15. That's what I envision for fucking Woody's and gym drinkers. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll yeah, that. anyways. All right, well, let's get stuck into it then. So, well, I suppose, how did you feel about watching the movie itself? Well, look, this was the first time for me watching Hellraiser. Yes. Now, I, actually, I liked it. Uh-huh. It was good. And it was good that the fact... Like the, even though it was an old school horror, the acting there was some cringe it, moments. Oh, it's not great. The effects were fucking. You could tell it was all play doh and yeah, whatnot, um, and or plasticine, whatever you want to call it. But that being said, though, I just liked the whole feel of it. Like 
Care to elaborate. It didn't have to rely... Like, uh, just like movies... Well, horror movies, from what I can tell, I'm not the big buff in it, but I feel as if horror movies these days mostly rely on jump scares. Apart from the few that are just... Met, like purposely made to be like this like eerie and yeah. evil feeling yeah like you feel uneasy watching it oh of course but it's kind of the point yeah and well like I suppose what you're saying is correct in the sense that these days jump scares are the cornerstone of horror like yeah. that's what has brought so much more of an audience into the cinemas now I think it's a mix of not only jump scares but just pure and sheer gore yeah, well... It's just gore. It's shock factor. Yeah. That, it's anyone that can create that more now uh, with an element of jump scares is has a recipe for success. Yeah. And James Wan does it perfectly. Or look at the Saw series. Saw, Conjuring, yeah. Insidious, Sinister... Paranormal. Paranormal. It's all based around jump scares. Jump scares and gore. Even the concept of lights out... Yeah. Remember the, how I was telling you about that there's an actual short film that was made called Lights Out by yeah. a lady? Yeah, 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 yeah. And obviously James Wan got wind of it and got her as part of the directing process when he made the movie Lights Out, which is super fucking cool that someone on such a low budget um, was actually able to be a part of something so significant. Like, yeah. imagine seeing your short film made into a big bu- budget production. That'd be yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, so I found the movie itself to be, like... it. It was good because to me it sort of embodied what I would deem as like an actual good horror movie. It just 100%. feels evil. Yes. It feels uneasy. It, it just, it doesn't, it just, you're watching it and you don't feel right. And I think the Which, way... That's that's the feeling I would want yeah. if I'm watching a horror movie. And I think looking back over the course of the 1980s, you know, we're very clear cut with, you know, Texas Chainsaw, Halloween, Freddy... Uh, Chucky, Michael Myers, those sorts of characters. I suppose not so much with Michael Myers, but a lot of the time with old school slasher, they'd wait a long time before the actual demon or whoever it was, was introduced. Yeah. And I like the fact that they did that because it builds that element of suspense. And what you said about it being eerie, Yeah. that's where that comes from. Because obviously Hellraiser, the first one, it's you don't get a bulk of what Pinhead's story is from the get-go. You have no idea, no conception. I'm still not sure on what his story is. Yeah. Um, But like I said to you, I think it's more you have to watch part two in order to start understanding the backstory because that's when they start piecing together. Right, okay. Number one's purely an introduction-based movie, like just the concept of him, um, which I think does its justice in itself. Mm -hmm. Having a character like that that's so sadistic and masochistic yeah, that, that that there was a huge like sadomasochism. Like, oh, yeah, mm. hard. It was it was just so such a strong theme throughout any sort of scene where he was in it, or even just the other support characters. Yeah, they all had that. Like even what's his name, uh, Frank? Yeah, definitely. Um, even what was the the stepmom's name? Larry. Oh, the Ju- stepmom. Judy or um, Julie? Julie. Yeah, even her. She was just fucking yeah. sadistic, man. Because like when they start giving win to the affair that was happening between Julie or whatever the fuck her name is and Frank, you kind <laughs> of get Julie. wind of, okay, she's in a conventional marriage with her husband. It's pretty vanilla. Oh, yeah. And then obviously Frank, who is her husband's brother, comes along. They get into some sick, twisted affair fantasy sort of shit that's going on. Yeah. But- Frank, after finding the box, 
has this thing of pushing the bounds of pleasure and pain. And that's partly why he was so involved in it. Yeah. And that scene where he's obviously hanging upside down, there's blood dripping off him. Yeah. And he looks like he's enjoying it. It's just yeah. an indicator of how sadistic Frank actually is. Yeah. So it's kind of good how they had that and tied that in with what the story was about in terms of Hellraiser being that idea of... You know, some see us as angels and some see us as demons. Yeah. So I think for a very simplistic plot, it ties it in really well with the concept and themes of the actual movie. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, I suppose, how did you feel afterwards? Like, do you feel like you understand where that whole concept of those characters being the forefathers of horror comes from? Yeah, I definitely do. Yeah? Yeah, I definitely see how... They kind of pioneered the way, hundred percent, for that kind of for the horror genre in general. Yeah. As far as not just being about getting someone walking through a hallway, cut the music, and then bah! Yeah, you know, it's 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 building just that eeriness. Like they don't need to rely on the jump scare to make you feel uneasy and think, oh shit, something's coming. Even though nothing ever does, no, always gives you that feeling like a oh, fuck. Fuck, fuck. And it's even the way they utilize the score with the introduction of Pinhead. When he's yeah. coming into scene and that background noise that takes place, you get that instant, uh-oh, uh-oh, something's going to happen, something's going to happen. Now, the thing is, though, if it, if you didn't tell me about it, yeah. honestly, I probably wouldn't have picked up on it. No, a lot of people don't. But I find the noises that take place when he's introduced... Along with, you know how the lights start coming out through the walls? Yeah. I fucking love that. Yeah. I think it's so... The light and the fog and... Yes. Like, yes, it's kind of cliched and a little bit cheesy in the sense of the introduction. Ooh, big bad character. Yeah. But with how crazed and fucked up the way he thinks actually is... Yeah. I kind of find that it's a perfect fit for his character in itself. In what sense? So, I suppose, with the way he's introduced... Like I said, at the start, you don't really get a conception of what he's about. So you don't understand the sadistic mind of Pinhead. No. You kind of get a gist when Frank starts alluding to him trying to push the bounds and wanting to find something more. And that's when, obviously when he stumbles across the box and where it's taken him to that other dimension and obviously he escapes. And, you know, only through the fucking blood of his brother coming into the floor. Yeah. But things like that, even the basic, the dialogue, the script, the actual elements of what the movie was about, it's a really easy story to follow, like in terms of the scenes. Yeah. The scenes are super easy. Yeah. The, I suppose, construction the of the story is a little bit more complex. Yeah. The, the story itself, like if you're looking at look kind of like the overarching story of yeah. the series, going off that first movie... And even now, like I was mentioning before, yeah. I, st- I kind of still don't know what the fuck's going oh, on. Oh, 100%. I, I completely understand why you would. Because the first one left me hanging for more. I wanted to know more. Yeah. And I think that's where it did its justice. Because, yeah. you know, you look if, at... If a movie leaves you wanting, like, wanting to know more, then it's succeeded. Yeah. And, like, you look at Paranormal Activity. Right. The success of that comes down to the fact, in my books, that the introduction of the apparition or the ghost or the demon, whatever it was, you got subtle hints of it happening throughout the movie. Yeah. You never actually see what it is. They they never show that through the paranormal series. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's the noises. It's the things that happen. It's the things that get thrown. All these sorts of shit um, feeds into that idea that 
what we can't see and what we don't know creates fear in us. Okay. So for me, with the introduction of Pinhead coming later in the film, yeah. you start building an idea of what's going to come, but it doesn't fully, I suppose, form until you see him. And you're like, yeah. holy shit, this is worse than I anticipated. Yeah. But I felt, I still feel now that I get what you're saying as far as like sort of leading up to him and bringing him in later into the movie. Yeah. I felt that they brought him in too far into the film. Okay, no, that's like fair enough. easily three quarters of the way in that they finally oh, well, brought that, him in. That he like, had more... Really? Like, yeah, more scenes. This long, like... Yeah. There was, there was just some scenes that just, I thought, didn't really need to be there. And you could have brought Pinhead in so much easier and given him more screen time. Yeah, well, look. Because you're watching it. He's the fucking, the main face on the cover. Yeah. You're watching it for him. Yeah. You want to see him. Yeah. And I just felt like it wasn't enough. But do you know the problem is? Clive Barker, who made the film, isn't exactly an amazing filmmaker. The only reason he got to a stage where he was able to make it was because the initial production company didn't realize the vision that he had when he wanted to make the movie. Yeah. So he took the reins of that in order to get his vision fully realized. Right. So I kind of get um, the editing and the sequencing of how the story unfolded. Yeah. It wasn't fantastic. It, it honestly is not. Yeah. It's simple. It's easy to understand in terms of following what was happening throughout the movie the at it's parts. It's easy but complicated at the same time. And I like that because it leaves a lot of thought for me to go, well, I need to come up with my own ideas about what's going to happen. And that whole concept of speculation about, oh, are they going to do this with the second? What's going to happen with it? And it was good because the first one finished off with obviously a scene that was going to filter into the second one. So you knew that there was going to be a part two. Yeah, sort of. Well, I did. Because as soon as end, that other person got the box at the end. Yeah, but then what he turned into, I'm like, that's... Like, I even said it after watching, like, what the fuck is that? No, 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 not the demon bird thing. Uh. The scene after that, where the old Japanese or old Asian Oh, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like the scene at the start with Frank. It's just someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, like a, it's just like a cycle that just keeps repeating itself. Pretty much. Um, so the box essentially finds its victims. Yeah. But I suppose... And I like how they kind of gave it that whole Pandora's box sort of mm. feel to it. Mm. Like the, if the puzzle box wasn't just, let's say, a key to an ultimate di- dimension. It was... It was, but it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It was a key to an ultimate dimension, but it was also, in in a turn, a weapon yeah. as well. And what, I suppose what they reinforce in part two is that it's not the hand of the person that opens the box. It's the desires of the person that does. So giving it to an innocent girl who, you know, is a savant and wants to, loves puzzles, she opens the box, but she has no bearing on Hellraiser's ultimate journey of what he's there to do. It comes down to someone with, you know, an innate, really fucking twisted desire wanting to have some, you know, can be sexual, can be an emotional, I I don't care what sort of heightened experience, intense experience that he comes into play, which I kind of like that because usually... In cases of horror, it's like anyone that comes into contact with them dies. Yeah. So I kind of like that they steer clear of the stereotypes of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I so think- are you saying that, for example, let's say if an innocent girl was to solve the puzzle box and open it, that would they even appear, or would it just be they appear? But I don't know if she's able to see them. Oh, right. Okay. Um. Because I think part two plays into that. Okay. Um, where they've got the girl in the room and she's sitting there. She opens the box and they're there. 
and other people see them, but she can't. So they can't affect her? No. Is that... Oh, no. Okay. Because right. she's pure of soul. Right, okay. Um, which, again, filters into that whole heaven and hell sort of situation and pure souls can't be affected by the devil and whatever, all that sort of shit. Right. Um, but I kind of feel like you haven't seen the Babadook. No. Okay. The way the Babadook's done is exactly in the same vein, I find, of what Pinhead does. Like, okay. it's it's kind of a late introduction, and that feeling of eeriness is encapsulated by the kid in the Babadook. He is the most frustrating character I've ever watched on film. In what sense? This kid is just... He gnaws at you um, with his screaming, his crying. He's just... His mum, like gets to a point where she starts lacking sleep and starts like hallucinating and all this sort of shit. But the kid just keeps probing and pushing his mum further over the edge. And like, they'll be driving in the car and there's this scene where they're literally driving in the car. She's had no sleep and he's sitting in the backseat and he starts screaming and she's like, he's screaming at the top of his lungs. And when she turns around and speaks to him, it, she, he, she does it in a way that her voice borderlines becomes demonic. It's right. weird. It's so fucking creepy. Um, and then he sort of pulls back like, what the hell was that? And then goes again. So I like how they kind of... A Babadook was made on like the lowest production budget ever. Like it was fucking fuck all money. Okay. But the success that that came about as a result of that film was nuts. Like it got critical acclaim overseas and in a lot of horror circles. Okay. Um, but I kind of feel like it's stuck with the truth of what 80s slashes were about. Yeah. Like, you know, Michael Myers had his thing. He didn't talk. You know, he only had to walk to people and he'd still catch up to people running. Never understood that, but I'm not going to go into that. Um, Must have big strides. Yeah. Well, that's it. Freddy obviously had his dream thing, the burnt face, That you know, and... His story, I think, is probably one of the coolest stories. The bastard yeah. son of a hundred maniacs. Yeah. And then, obviously... Because that's the whole one where his mum was a nun who was raped in a mental asylum. Correct. Right. And then, you know, Chucky was, obviously, a serial killer that got his transformed into, yeah, into, a, into, a, into a doll. Who else was there? Jason. Jason was, obviously, just the drowned child in the lake. That's why he fears water. But grew up to be a big fucking behemoth. Um, and then... Do you think him and Michael Myers... Like a bit too similar? Uh, yes and no. Because Michael Myers' story is probably the, the most pieced together story of everyone. Okay. And it's kind of hard because I can't explain it to you until you've seen the first Halloween and then the latest Halloween. Mm-hmm. Because the latest Halloween is the perfect made tie-in from the Halloween that was made in like 1978. Like okay. everything is so well pieced together. And just his story of, you know, he's chasing his sister because he's murdered his whole family and he has to finish his sister off. Right. Uh, oh, excuse me. Um, so, yeah, in terms of slashes, I, like I would never be able to go past those guys. But yep. looking in today's, I suppose, climate of horror, yep. The Conjuring has kind of taken the reins and the Conjuring universe in itself. Okay. So you've got... So the, like the Conjuring, Annabelle... Correct. The Nun. Yes, right. yes. So obviously they've got the Crooked Man coming out, which was one of the characters in The Conjuring okay. and one of the scarier characters, I think. Okay. But I think it's really important that James Wan sticks with it because okay. if they took on another director, 
to handle what he's doing with that universe. Yeah. It'd be like Kevin Feige, Feige or whatever his Feige. name is. Feige. Come on. I don't fucking know his name. Yes, you do. No, I don't know how to say his surname. Fuck's sake. Um, you literate fuck. Pretty much. But it'd be like him stepping out of Marvel. Yeah. Can't do you just can't envision it. No. And like, there are no other really well-known or... Like, you've got Guillermo del Toro and stuff, but he's got more of an artistic sense when it comes to horror. Okay. James Wan appeals to audiences. Right. Like, the fact that he made Aquaman, like, you know, yeah. he can do mainstream, mm. but his forte, by far... Is horror. Is horror. Yeah. He handles that like a boss. Yeah. So, now, seeing as they're, like, with these newer films coming out and whatnot, what do you think, or what do you think are some of the elements that they should take away with them or use as influences with these movies coming from oh. those old slasher movies oh my god dude i could talk about this for hours honestly because what it is you know there's fundamentals i think of what works in right, horror. so what do you think of the fundamentals the fundamentals are don't show too much too quickly that's one of my major things okay um because yep yeah, honestly i'm just gonna go on a rant here this is how i am okay but you think about it so Having that space where they don't show the character at all up until later on in the movie, you'll, you'll find that it builds that sense of anticipation and eagerness to find out who it is, what does it look like, all those sorts of things. So once you get a gauge of that, then it's like, okay, well, what else do you need to incorporate in order to make it a good horror? I think an initial backstory and understanding of where the character comes from. Okay. I suppose, you know, on a side note, the Joker. Yeah, yeah. Like, giving him a substantial backstory is always going to make his character a lot more interesting. Yeah. Um, the more... Fun- I don't know. In, in regards to that kind of character, yeah. for me personally, not knowing any sort of pretext or a background to that character, I find makes him more appealing. Because adding that... Explain. That mysteriousness to him. Yeah. Not knowing where he's come from or how he became who he came just makes him more of a very... Like a, I guess a catalyst just for... A rogue. Pretty much a rogue catalyst for everything that's to come because you really don't know his motives and you don't know why he's doing what or he's doing. Or what he's capable of. Exactly. Yeah, which okay. I reckon makes his character that much more interesting because you don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. And you don't know what to expect because you don't know what he's going to do. Which if you is know someone's enough. background, you know how they're going to act. You don't know who they are or what they come from. Yeah. How are you going to know what they're going to do? I which know. I find I, yeah. that aspect, I like that better. Okay. No, that's Which is enough. probably why I liked... Pinhead, like why I like Pinhead so much with watching Hellraiser now. It was obscure because as fuck. I still don't know his background. I don't know what he's about. Yeah. So I didn't know what to expect of what he would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was thinking, like towards the end, like once she fulfilled the bargain, yeah, that he was gonna be like, all right, bargain's fulfilled, we're done here. Yeah. But no, he still wanted to kill her. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, what, what? Yeah. But didn't she fulfill the de- deal? What, what, yeah. what? And yeah. he's still going after her. Like, yeah. Oh fuck. Okay. But I suppose that ties in, like for me. Freddy became scarier when I knew what happened to his mum. Okay. And like how fucked up his story is. The more twisted and sadistic that the backstory gets, the more I realize that he has an unlimited potential to doing really twisted shit. Because there is nothing now that humanity exists in him anymore. Vect. Um, so that's where I kind of like, I like to know, like my big thing is, especially within, um, I suppose, especially the horror genre, 
you look at the worst horrors and they can't piece a story together. Give me an example. Wrong turn. Never heard of it. You don't want to. It's garbage. What's it's it? basically just inbred hicks yep. who have lived in the bush or so forest for so long. So have eyes? Kind of, but they're really innovative in terms of the way they kill people. Okay. Um, but there's no story provided about what's going on. It's just... Or how they came to be. It's just... Yeah, they, weird they people. They are who they are and that's it. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, reclusive forest people who have lived together for so long they fuck each other and that's, you know, their story. So, when I get something like that, it's one-dimensional. Like, you've told me the story from the get-go and there's nothing to it. Okay. Whereas... You know, as I said, you know, all the stories, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, fucking brilliant. Brilliant in terms of the way the story is conceptualized. Why is that? Well, looking at the family, it's fucked up. It's but like, then, okay, so, hang, hang on one second. Hang on, hang on, fucking, fucking, fucking. I had to add the, the fucking chicken there. So Leatherface, I think there's a lot of underlying themes of mental illness as part of it. And breaking down someone's you know, I don't know, persona or just who they are. Right. And his family absolutely terrorize him. And pin a uh, pinhead. Leatherface could turn on him in an instant and kill every single one of them. Okay. That's how big he is. Right. But he doesn't. And it's like, well, why? Yes, I understand. It's your family. But at the end of the day, the way they speak to him and the way he gets treated, like he's how? still like a little boy. They treat him like, you know, get back into your... Like, whatever, the kitchen or fucking whatever the place is called. And he, uh, he's like, uh, uh, and just walks off. There's no fight back. It doesn't bite back to them at all. Whatever his old man says, he listens to. The mum, you know, treats him like, oh, baby, baby, baby. You know, stroking his arm and shit. But then with time, oh, you know, get fucked. Fuck off, fuck off. And it's like, that's where I find intelligent horror. Because it's underlying themes of that most people aren't going to look beyond it apart from all scare factor yeah and yes it's a scary character but then looking into it deeper there's so many more levels to a lot of these films but no one really looks at it that way and i think that's what creates that sense that they are i suppose they created the horror genre okay so what would what do you think of the elements that you'd want to see in kind of horror movies going forward from these old slasher movies well, obviously, Scare Factor... Well, let's take, for example, like some of the things that they did in Hellraiser. Yeah. Right? How would you... What what elements would you want from Hellraiser to go into newer movies? So, first of all, it's the later introduction. Okay. I like that. A substantial backstory. How much later, though? I, I'd put it halfway through. Okay. Because I want the story to be built before the introduction. Okay. I need to know and who I'm getting involved with in terms of the protagonist of the movie before I see the impact and influence that he has. Okay. Yeah, so substantial backstory, introduction a bit later. Yep. I also would prefer to see, oh, well, what to take from that is the idea that anything is possible with this character. Like, yeah. there are no limits to what he could do. Yeah. So it was like that whole Joker thing I was going on about before. Yes, exactly. Yeah, not knowing what they're capable of. Yeah. Um... The whole thing of, I guess, a, like a demonic character like that being capable of unspeakable evil. Yes, literally, literally. Yeah. And then, you know, tying it in with when they do the introduction of these characters, 
there needs to be a a sound, a specific action that leads to the fact that he's coming into scene. Right. So like, giving him more of a presence that I guess giving the audience more of a presence that they are co- they are going to appear. Yes. As opposed to just again, like I was mentioning earlier, the just a typical jump scare where they just cut the music and bang, he's there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I feel like that's that's classic old school shitty slasher. Mm-hmm. Like Scream encapsulates that completely for me. Like he just pops out of the blue right. all the time. Yeah. But I never felt Scream was scary. Okay. At all. Um, and like I understand, you know, it has its ties with the way the convention was done early on. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the way it was then done with, you know, Pinhead especially. Yeah. With those sounds... It builds this sense of, oh my God, oh my God, it's happening, it's happening. And, you know, as a director, you can push the envelope as far as you fucking want. So it's so you want the element of building suspense brought back in. Suspense is so key to a good horror, it's not funny. Yeah. Um, that eerie vibe that you felt, that sense of uncomfortability, that is huge. Which, for me, I felt that from virtually the get-go. Yeah, yeah. I felt it from the start. It just felt eerie the whole time. Because way. did you notice that there's not much backing music either? Yeah. It's just the scene. Yeah. And I think, you know, Clive Barker is smart enough to know what works and what doesn't. Yeah. So obviously that's another thing that, you know, I feel like would need to be a part of it. But you look at fucking Jason. Yeah. Like, oh, I wonder who that is. Um, Didn't even Freddie have some sort of... Music as well. Freddie had the fucking one, two, Freddie's car. He had the full song. Okay. Um, I actually want to get that tattooed on my body. It would be amazing. <laughs> I'm actually going to do it. Get it on your dick. Oh my God. <laughs> read it, bitch. Read it before it goes in your pussy. Can we ever get through an episode without <laughs> ripping out a lebo? No. Nah. <laughs> nah, it's never going to happen. <laughs> but I suppose, yeah. So, you know, looking at now... I'm not disappointed where the horror genre is going. I think they need to keep it fresh and keep doing something different. Yeah. But like but now... Some of the core elements. Yeah. You know, look, at the end of the day, scare factor and jump scares is the flavor of the month at the moment. Yeah. You know, everyone's frothing it. It's good to watch. It does give you that element of, <gasps> you know? Yeah. But it's like, well, who's going to take it in that next direction? And how long is it, and like, and how long until that element of horror just becomes stale? Mm, mm. Because... Because uh, you just is everyone just going to expect the same thing every time? They're just going to be like, all right, another horror movie. Going to fucking shit myself with these jump scares. Yeah. Same shit again. Exactly. So it's like, well, what do you do different? How would you create a horror movie now? Let's hypothetically say you're mm-hmm. a director. Uh-huh. What do you do that creates that element of fear that's new? New to audiences um, that gives a different feeling for what they're experiencing. I don't know. I'm probably not the best person to ask in, in that regard. Well, I know, know for me, I'd probably... I'd want to have some sort of thing where you do get some mention of these characters but kind of build up to how big and powerful and scary they are yeah just by kind of little things from like good i good. guess little references of like like you get some old fortune teller for yeah, example yeah. just like 
like as soon as they like they bring up like a picture or the object they're holding, them just freaking the fuck out yes. over what you have and like get the fuck away from yes. me. That's, yes, that's that sort of thing. That's good. That's good. I that, completely that's, agree. That's what I would probably. That's the way I'd probably handle it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's no. That a makes a lot of sense because um, I suppose with what you're saying. The more they build that character up to something that you are terrified of yourself. And I think that's what horror movies need to start looking at more of. Preying on the realities of fear. Of what we genuinely fear in real life. Yeah. You know, demons and uh, the unknown is always going to be a thing. That's never ever going to disappear because yeah. it's the unknown. Yeah. There was a movie called White Noise with Michael Keaton. I've seen it. Okay. I've so actually seen that one. That's good. I'm glad. Um, I, remember, I remember finishing watching that going, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. I was so confused. EVP <laughs> and white noise is scary as fuck. It's terrifying. I was just confused by white noise. Why? Just, I, I didn't know what was going on. Oh, okay. <laughs> Each of their own, I suppose. Um, but for me... Shed some light. Well, I suppose EVP in itself... It, is terrifying and for anyone that doesn't know what EVP is it's electronic voice phenomenon so it's like if you get a tape recorder you go into let's say uh, an old mental asylum and you put the recorder on and you potentially pick up sounds and voices and all that sort of shit again it's that fear of the unknown like what is that and you know that whole idea everyone's always so skeptical of what they don't know yeah of course how many videos are on YouTube of ghosts and apparitions and creatures and stuff and you're like oh well that's all fabricated it's all bullshit yeah but what about the ones that slip through the cracks that are actually genuine yeah that's that's what gives me chills and goosebumps and you know if you can create i guess the ones that are sort of hard to decipher where where are they fabricated or is that where do you stand on it yeah exactly um because it seems like i guess those videos in a sense they're kind of too hard to figure out is that fake yeah. Is that real? I can't really tell. Yeah, literally. Um, and again, you know, you look at UFOs. Yeah, yeah. Is it real? Is it not? Um, aliens will always pose a sense of scariness. Yeah. Because you can't definitively say that there is no possibility that aliens exist. We've been through that. Correct. <laughs> Multiple times. Refer to, what is it, episode eight, Truth is Out There? Correct. I, I can't believe you remember the episode number. Well, that's one of the more... Significant ones that I remember. Yes. If you want to listen to an interesting episode, that one is fucking up there. Episode eight, guys. The truth is out there. So, okay. Have a listen to that one. It's good. Um, good. But, like, I know for me, what you're talking about, I think, is spot on. Because, you know, being able to learn that sense of... Oh, how would I explain it? Help me out here. Fuck. Help you out. You want me to figure out what you're thinking? No, 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 no. The point you're trying to get across, I think, is pertinent. I guess it's building, building, I guess, the importance of how big and scary a character this main, I guess, main villain, villain is. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's ultimately... So that way, when they finally do make appearance, you've had that build-up of learning how fucking big and bad this character is. And yeah. you finally see him like, holy shit. Yeah. Shit's about to get fucked up. And I think, you know, everything that we sort of touched on just then, it's kind of the cornerstone of what makes a good horror for me. Um, I think what they're really exploiting now and doing really well is the concept of silence in film. Yeah. Um, the movie Hereditary okay. is 
absolutely fucked up. Okay. It's really, really fucked up. Um, and they use silence in that in a way that I've never seen done in any horror. Like, I can't explain it. Um, like, you kind you, of just have to watch it. So, for it. an example of how they use it. So, for the last, like, I think 10 minutes of the film, there's, like, hardly any dialogue spoken. And it's just a lot of silence. But the story is being told by, obviously, what's happening to the character. And you don't need dialogue for it. You know what is eventuating is really cooked. And the silence just adds this to it. Okay. Like, you get really uncomfortable in silence. You want someone to talk. So it's a different kind of silence as opposed to, I guess, the silence leading up to a jump scare. Mm, mm. That, that's a suspense, suspense building silence. Yeah. This one is to create that vibe and feel of eerie, like, or something's not right. Okay. So I think they're probably the key factors of that. You know, one of the things, obviously, you pointed out was the complexity of the actual Hellraiser story. Yeah. I'm still not sure of the whole thing. So I'll try and do my best to elaborate. But do you think, just looking at the movie on its own, mm-hmm. do you think without having knowledge of the other movies in the franchise... Just taking that as it is, mm-hmm. would would you be able to piece together what the fuck no, was his story? No, definitely not. Because, because I think... Yeah, I, I can't. Barker I definitely can't. had That's to go in. That's why I asked you a million questions after we watched it. Yeah. Going, so what is he? What's his story? What does he do? Like, where's he from? Yeah. Like, it doesn't give you anything. No, and Barker, I think, would have gone in with the intention that he was going to make multiple. Okay. Uh, you think how many of the old school slashers had just one? Zero. Mm-hmm. Good point. Um, everything, like, Freddy had fucking eight. Yep. Jason has had, like, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Myers has, uh, he's up to 13 or so, um, if you're including all the side story ones. Yeah. Um, Did you ever get into Hatchet? Hatchet? Uh, no. What's Hatchet? I think it's kind of somewhat similar to Michael Myers. No, no, Michael Myers, um, to Jason. Really? I think. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I've heard of it, but I've never watched like, it. Like one of the one of these um, these these viners that I'm following on on Snapchat and have been for a while. Yeah, Hatchet is one of his favorite horror movie series. Oh, okay. Well, maybe gives me something to watch. Mm. Okay. Um, I think you know. I, I don't know if you've heard of Maniac Cop. No. That for me was a really weirdly terrifying one when I was a kid. I think maybe just because I was a kid, but yeah, Freddy initially didn't scare me. I don't know why. I just felt uncomfortable watching it. Okay. I wasn't terrified. I don't know whether that's just because I was desensitized to horror and traumatized as a child from my brother and sister. <laughs> so if anyone doesn't know, my love of horror stems from this story. I was had the movie Lean on Me with Morgan Freeman on v- VHS. And... That's going back. Um, when that movie would end, the last 15 minutes of Predator was after it. <laughs> my brother Honestly, and, you had it taped. Yeah. My brother and sister knew this and they went and sat by my side on either side of me and would hold my hands down. So That's as so the fucked. video was like staggering, going over to the next scene of Predator, I'd be like, no, 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 let me up, let me up. And they'd be holding me down laughing and would force me to watch it. Oh, that's just fucking evil. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so obviously that was the part at the end where he's fighting Arnie and his helmet comes off, right? Um, yeah, he's like, when he's like lying there, he's like, come on, do it now, kill me, I'm here, come on. You are one ugly motherfucker. motherfucker. You are a 
You know how long you know how long we could talk about that for. That'd be next level. Yeah. Um but yeah, so that's kind of where my affinity with horror stems from. But you know, growing up, you you never really got into any of them. I think I just traumatized you. Yeah, you did. Poltergeist. Hundred percent. You're the one who showed me showed me poltergeist. Showed me. I didn't I had nightmares for years, thanks to you. Thanks for that. But, like, watching Hellraiser last night, did that have an, in, any impact of being scared? No. 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 And I guarantee you now, if you watched Poltergeist, there'd be nothing. You'd laugh. Probably now, because yeah. when I look at it, it'd be dated as shit. It is dated. But from when I was a kid, I mean, if I'm a chicken now, imagine how much of a chicken I was when I was a kid. Yeah, you were. You okay? Were. You definitely were. Yeah. <clears throat> um, all right, let me put it to you. Mm-hmm. As a director... Would you have done anything differently with that movie? Would have brought him in sooner. So would you say that's the ultimate how, one? I would have introduced Pinhead a lot sooner. Yeah. I probably would have maybe given a little bit more info as to... Backstory. Backstory. Mm-hmm. Maybe even just a minute or a minute and a half or maybe some narration at the start. Yeah, okay. Okay. Just to kind of set the scene. Yeah. As to why this box is even... And the relevance existence. of the... Yeah. Yeah. Just to kind of give you an idea of what you're in for. See, that that's one thing you never get through the whole Hellraiser series of yeah. where the, what's the story of the box? Yeah. Where did it come from? You kind of just take it with your own assumption. Like I was asked, like when I asked you that night, so I pretty much said to you, is it basically like Pandora's box? Yeah. And that's pretty much the only, like one of the best ways you can describe it. Literally. Literally. Because they don't, they give you nothing yeah. about what the box is. And I kind of liked that they left mystery about it. Yeah. Because... You can come up with your own assumptions and ideas about where that comes from. Yeah, I like that, but at the same time, I don't. I would like, I want to know more about that box. But you and me both know we don't like the unknown, especially like when you think about it. Marvel, for example. Yeah. We like to know what's coming. We like to know um, elements of the story, like. To a degree, yes. But at the same time, Marvel. See, Marvel's a different story for me. Because for me, when it comes to Marvel, yep. I like to make theories and I like to think I know what's going to happen. But I also like to know the that mystery. what I'm looking at and then what I get at the end isn't what I thought. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, okay. I like not knowing what's coming. Okay. Okay. But yeah. that's with Marvel movies. With something like this, especially a little object like that to give the story some sort of, I guess... Context. Context. Yeah. I would like to know about it because yeah. it's an important element to the story. Well, it's the fucking centerpiece of the movie. Exactly. So I'd like to know a bit more about the centerpiece yeah. than just going, yeah, it's a box to another dimension. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That's great. What, what else? That's it. I think. Okay. What, Thanks. That's great. For me, one of the things that they possibly could have done that I would have really liked is <clears throat> obviously there's this other dimension where Hellraiser comes from. I would have potentially have liked to have seen what that dimension looked like. And how sick it was. Yeah, but you sort of saw... Like, gave you little snippets. But I guess at the same time, like you were just saying, not knowing a lot about how that looks is... I can build to that suspense and myst- and the mystery of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that as well. But for me, being the inquisitive cunt that I am, <laughs> like, I do like the idea of... Like, for example, Constantine. Yeah. You know when he... Um, falls back into the water, yep. into the bathtub. Yeah. And he wakes up in like hell. Yeah. 
and he's walking through and like all the people are trying to reach out to grab him and whatever. Yeah. I would have liked to have some sort of scene, even if it was for like 10 seconds of pure, sadistic, weird, masochistic pleasure happening. So kind of, I guess, in a, in a sense, you'd probably want uh, almost pretty much like a mini dream sequence. Yes, yes. So you know where the girl was dreaming about her dad lying on the bed. Yeah. Having a dream sequence, very reminiscent of that, but hell-based. Yeah. And seeing, Well, they you know, could have built it into that scene. So when the veil lifts, instead of her waking up as soon as the veil lifts... Yeah. Lifts the veil, and then it's... Like, you see the skin body there, but then... Like you, she looks at that, then looks up, and then it's all like she's in that realm. All yeah, her. yeah. See that that's cool. I like that idea. And you could have just looked up, quick glance, out of the dream. Yeah, yeah. Just to give you like a, whoa. Yeah. What the fuck? And like that whole spinning, you know, torture device that torture they have. Right. Yeah. If you know that can act as something that you know, it's shown in so many scenes. But if they had like a hellish dream sequence, that as a centerpiece where, you know, four people are tied on and being ripped apart, yeah. like just to go, oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah. There is some serious history and story behind that. Yeah. So understandable why they show it as often as they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think as well, I would have liked, like I was mentioned before, just um, more significance being put on Pinhead as far as who he is and how big and scary a character he is. Yeah. Like, I felt that Frank's reaction when he saw him yeah. again at the end, it didn't really feel like a, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, they're back to get me. Yeah. He just, like, pretty much played him off as it was But nothing. I think that comes down to how shit they act. Because you mm. look at the girl's boyfriend. Yeah. When that fucking weird ah. scorpion-like thing is hanging out of the door and they're playing fucking dice, yeah. pretending to pick up the box. <laughs> um... He's in the background and he hasn't flinched. Yeah. And then, you know, everything's breaking down around and the house is burnt down. There's a fucking demon bird that flies away. He does not flinch about it. Yeah. So I think that's to the chops of acting. Like No, but I think the, the guy who did play Frank, he wasn't a, he wasn't a terrible actor. Frank wasn't. I, I think Frank did that dirty, sleazy cunt really well. Yeah, um, he, he had he, that, but also the sadisticness to him. As yeah, well. he did. He did. Like he, he played off a sadistic character really well. You know, but like I said, I just felt like his reaction once he saw Pinhead and uh, the chattering teeth guy yeah. and the open throat bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the open, oh, the open could, throat bitch. Fuck throat. Yuck! No. Mm, sadistic mm. pleasure. Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Hold on! <laughs> You're an idiot. Um, but no, I just I just felt that his reaction seeing them was really downplayed. He just didn't. It, it felt like it didn't really phase him. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I completely understand you know, what you're right? saying. It's just like, well, I mean, you were escaping from them. Like, wouldn't you be shitting yourself? Yeah, that they're there again when you just escaped. Them? You think the fear would be twofold compared to the first time? Yeah, because it's like, well, that's awesome that you escaped. But if they come back a second time looking for you, you're fucked. Yeah. And like when he, when Pinhead says to the girl, you know, if you deceive us, you have no idea of how bad it will be. I like lines like that. Yeah. Oh, I think what's written in terms of dialogue for Pinhead is fucking amazing. Like the lines that he pulls out, you can retrace over the first three some amazingly iconic lines. Yeah. Like... And I think that's part and parcel 
of a good horror villain. They need to have those taglines, you know? Um, But just little lines like that that just make him seem really imposing. mm. And just that he's, I guess he's rife, knows no bounds. Correct. That's what made it that much more impactful. You're like, fuck. And I think what the director was saying about, you know, making... Who did who was the comparison drawn with? Oh, with Dracula. So Yeah, with Christopher Lee's Dracula. Correct. Yeah. Where he was articulate and really intelligent in terms of what he portrayed um, as Dracula. Yeah. And Hellraiser is very much of the same sort. He's very articulate, knows what he's talking about, has a plan with everything. Um, and just the way he speaks is eerily calculated and really really like oh my god he knows felt, what he's doing yeah i felt that but i also felt that he was very domineering yes it's like he literally anyone that he would talk to was basically nothing but a fucking ant to him yeah they were nothing which filters into that line about which is what i but which is what fed for me into his imposing persona yeah that is just like i don't give a fuck who you are you're nothing to me yeah i am the I am everything. I'm the descendant. Yeah. Like, no one can touch me. Yeah. Um, and Which where he says of, to the yeah. girl um, about her tears, he's like, oh, don't waste those tears. Um, it, it's a waste of suffering. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck That yes. That was just... Because so it went from domineering to just pure sadistic. And like what you were saying just then, it ties back in with that idea of sadomasochism. And, you know... for So a t- do you think to a, to a degree that... Newer style horror movies are lacking that sadistic, that sadistic masochism to them. Well, there's honestly, I know. (laughs) Excuse me. There's not many new movies that do it in that sense. I've seen a couple. Yeah. Cannibal Holocaust, but that's kind of like a a more real thing. That's just a fucked up movie. I can't even begin to explain it. Please don't. Raw, um, which is. Danny Murphy? No. (laughs) Yeah, fuck you too, Eddie. Um, you're, the, you're the fuck you man, right? Suck my dick, eh? Go ne go go. Suck it, you. Nah, wait. Go on. I'm not gonna finish that one. Ruined. Not Ruined. Gonna, not gonna finish it. Um, I can't. Not allowed. Yeah, Raw is literally about a girl who's a vegetarian that goes to veterinary school. Um, and as the hazing process, they have to eat a piece of raw meat. Ew. So. You know, all the vets have graduated and they're all eating the meat and they're covered in blood. This girl goes up to him, eats the meat, and he's like, oh, that's disgusting, goes and throws up, whatever. But over the course of like the next 20 minutes of the film, she starts developing a taste for, for um, meat. So Meat or human flesh? Meat, initially. Okay. So it starts with obviously steak and goes into like raw food. And then it progresses into a point in one scene where... Her sister falls back, knocks her head, and he's knocked out. And she's looking at her sister's hand. And she grabs her sister's hand and starts eating her finger like a chicken bone. Oh. It's sick. It's disgusting. Like, the yeah. sounds are horrid. Yuck. Um, but that got critical acclaim just for the fact that no one had done anything like that before. Yeah. You know, because vegetarianism and fucking veganism. Like, that's such a contentious, <laughs> contentious issue now. <laughs> it was relevant for the day that they did that, which I kind of like, you know? Well, let's put a shitty spin on vegetarians and fucking vegans because the shitty spin should be them down a drain. So the shitty spin is that vegans and vegetarians eventually become cannibals. Yeah, which it'd be the most amazing irony if that was the case. Yeah, it would. Yeah. 
So don't eat animals, but eat other humans. Yes. That's fine. Yeah, it's That's healthy. not frowned upon. You, you, you fillet an ass cheek and it's like a <laughs> fucking amazing piece of meat. I <laughs> know. Oh, I'm cooked. I'm dead set cooked. Oh my... <laughs> I don't think I've ever used that in the context of a sentence. I uh, fillet an ass cheek. No, I don't think you have. No. But well, you get you get a few like got a letter. World first. <laughs> Fatality. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah. Well what, would, well, what would you have done differently oh. if you were the director? I think I would have just firstly found better actors. Yeah. I Actually, think... there's another thing I wanted to add. Mm. Like, okay, you're limited by the technology at the time. Hundred percent. But better special effects. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Not even special effects, better sound effects. Yes. Like when Frank's absorbing the life essence or yeah, the muscle yeah. or whatever he's doing from the people. Yeah. And they literally got the sound of someone drinking out of a straw yeah. at the end of their drink. It's terrible. It's and like, terrible. Why would you use that sound? But they weren't exactly... Just, it just distracted from the whole horror of that scene. And it's just like... But do you know what I noticed? Finishing off a fucking Coke from Macca's. Like, what the fuck's it, what's happening? Because I've watched so much horror, the soundboards in a lot of horror movies all use a lot of the same sounds. Mm. Like, you think about how many Schwarzenegger films and action films have used that um, sound of the scream falling out of a building. <laughs> like, I can't do it. That sounds like T-Rex. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, the, the, the corny, iconic screen that they put in every movie yeah, just because exactly I think they've put it in there as kind of like a motif sort of thing 100% and it's hilarious and so like those are the little things that I pick up on in horror films where the soundboards are so similar to other horrors and it's like oh I've heard this before there you go as a director yes you have an original score based on the pinhead character and Look, the score was fine the score's fine but the sounds themselves, like, get creative about that. Yeah. You could have just amped up your movie tenfold if you had something that was, like, unique, like mm. no one had done before. Yeah. And that just sets that movie then apart from a lot of others. Yeah. But just the sound of sucking through a straw, it really detached me from the moment. No, I, I, I agree. I agree. Like, I wasn't a big fan of it. No. But, you know, what can you do? They were limited by the resources that they had at the end of the day. Fucking Frank. Frank, you sadistic rapist fuck. Frankie Wanky is what they used to call him. Who's your daddy? Who's... Uh, yeah, and another one. When he rips out that line, why did he suddenly go from being some American guy to, to Indian. Indian? Yeah, yeah. Who's your daddy? Like, what? What company is he with? What telephone company? Oh, my... <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do have an interesting proposal for you. Question. You are in one of the universes of the forefathers. Oh, fuck. Who would you feel like you'd want to go up against? I'm going to give you your preference. I'm going to throw in Predator because he's obviously around the same time. Would you put in the same thing? Well, 1987. Would you put in the same category though? Probably. Okay, I'll, I'll strip him out. Chucky. Yeah. Michael Myers. Yep. Jason Voorhees. Yep. Freddy Krueger. Yep. Pinhead. Chucky. Why Chucky? Kick him in the fucking head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've, we've gone through this before. He's a fucking doll. Well, that kind of re Fuck that. resolved I'll kick itself. The, I'll kick the cunt in the head. He's coming at me with a knife. All right, boof. Give him a fucking drop. So you punch. basically threw a paint can at him. Yeah, I drop punt into. I drop punt into the head. Okay. okay. Fuck the cunt. Well, that's kind of resolved itself pretty quickly. What would you do? Who would you? Who would your pick be? Well, realistically, obviously, it's fucking Chucky. Yeah. But I feel like 
the one that sort Can of you imagine sits- just the different ways that you could take out Chucky. Yeah, really. You get a fucking baseball bat, knock the cunt's head off. What's he gonna do? Freddy's a no-no for me. No. Someone that can get you in your dreams. Nope. Yeah, where nope. you can't nope. sleep. No. Nope. That's a big no-no. Um. Also, Pinhead definitely out of the no. equation because no. he can get you no matter where you are and trap you. And I don't awake or asleep. I don't like pain. No. And I don't think anybody likes pain. No, no, no. But really? in the sense that he can make that pain go on forever. Yeah. Like that's just. The fuck. disturbing. It's a whole thought. new level of fuck. Yeah. Yeah. But I suppose then Michael Myers and Jason. Yeah. It's quick deaths. Yes, he might fucking impale you on something. Yeah. He might slash you down, stab you, cut your neck, cut your throat. Yeah. But it's done. And so, unless you've got okay, maybe I'm not too sure with Jason, but unless let's say with Michael Myers, yeah. unless you've got a shotgun, yeah. And you blast him point blank in the face. Yeah. He's gonna keep coming. Yeah, he's pretty yeah. much gonna keep coming. Yeah. And many Halloween movies have gone through the paces of basically killing the cunt point blank with a knife or some shitty handgun and he keeps getting back up. Again, you'd need to blow him out of proportion to the point where yes. there's no... Unrecognisable face. Yeah, no. The fact, you'd have to literally destroy everything about him. Yes. And in the new Halloween, it's quite interesting because... Spoiler alert. Bah, bah, bah. Um, ah! Well, it's not spoiler anymore. It's been out for a long ass time yeah, but, now. Yeah, okay. Um, like what? When did it come out? Halloween last year? Last year. Yeah, it's been a year. Um, but basically, what Laurie and her daughter have built... Well, Laurie has built her house around basically capturing Michael and killing him. Right. The whole house is literally established for that reason. Yeah, so it's literally like a... I guess the adult version of the Home Alone house. Pretty like much. The McAllisters. Literally, yeah. but a really fucked up version of it. Yeah. Because they trap him in the basement level. Yeah. And there's bars that seal this like staircase up shut. And she's got burners in the actual basement. She flicks a switch and lights him on fire. And she can watch him. She's staring at him that like a dead eye contact of watching him burn to death. So I kind of like that. But that's what makes me interested in the new one. What are they going to do? How are they... How, what are they doing another one? Yeah. Really? Yeah. But how are they going to do it? He's no dead. idea. No idea. Did he escape? I don't know. What do you mean, how did he, how did he escape? He got but, burnt alive. He got burnt. But like, you see the flames go over him, but you don't see him on fire. You see him making eye contact with her. Flames are starting to boil and they go over, but then you don't see him. So I don't know. Did he make his way out of the basement? I don't know. That just seems a bit stupid. Look, I'm speculating. I, I don't know. And then, I don't know, I'm not the biggest expert on it, but then I guess it leads too much into the whole supernatural side of it. Well... Like, is he actually, like, a human that's just deranged, or is he a demonic figure now? Well, it, Like, what's the deal? He always felt like Michael's possessed, in the sense, but, like, possessed with rage. That's where it all stems from. Yeah. And, like, you know, um, Dr. Loomis, who's he's basically physician for the last, like, 30 years... Has like I've never seen a patient like Michael. There, there is a void in Michael like that is never seen in anyone else. So it's kind of cool how they give like a mental illness side and perspective on his character. Yeah. So for me, you know what they do with the new one, I'm interested to see. Yeah. Because I thought everything was done and dusted after yeah. the last one. Yeah. But now, if you were going to revive 
the Hellraiser franchise. Yeah. Like, there was that one, how long ago did it come out? Oh, Hellraiser. Was like, it Judgment? Yeah, three or four years ago. Okay, so it is relatively recent, but long enough now that either another one can be made or a reboot can be done. Yeah. How would you want to see that done? Well, I wouldn't. I don't want to because if Doug Bradley's not playing it, I don't want to see it. So no, not one person in the entire world could, could pretty much mimic Doug Bradley. No, no. Like, um, who's another iconic character that no one could play? I don't know. I think anyone can be replayed. Oh, I don't if know. Get I, I beg right to actor. differ on that. If you get the right actor, anyone can be replaced. Because like, I understand voice manipulation can be done through computers now. Yeah. Um, but even so, I mean, there's a lot of talented voice actors out there. Oh, of course, right? of course. So that I reckon someone out there would be able to pin, like nail his voice really well. Yeah. But apart from that, if you let's say you're at the helm yeah. of rebooting the Hellraiser franchise, mm-hmm. how would you want it to go, or how would you want to do it? I think it'd be just sticking true to the original essence of what Hellraiser was about, like ultimately showcasing his sadistic nature. Yeah. Keeping a really basic storyline, you know, obviously in modern times, have someone find the box and then it's that, um, I think, give a good backplay of where, what's happened to the box since then. Okay. So potentially through a dream sequence. So is this a continuation that you would want to go with or would you go straight from the get go? No, no, no. Because at the end of the day... The groundwork is set. It's done. So you'd want to do a continuation? 100%. Okay. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately, you can't recreate what they made in the 80s. Yeah. The way it's shown on film, you it, the, it's weird because I like the crackly, shitty picture of it. Yeah. These days, the cameras are so clear cut that it loses its nostalgic feel to me. So when they rebooted Nightmare on Elm Street... Oh my God, that was horrendous. Like, don't, don't touch it anymore. Please just leave it alone. Okay. When they rebooted Chucky, Chucky looked like a fucking Botox lit, uh, eyebrow fucking raised Hollywood slut. So it looked like a ventriloquist. Basically. It was shit house. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. Hellraiser? Yes. It should be pretty easy to recreate in terms of his look. Oh yeah. Imagine how much better they could do the face makeup for Hellraiser. No doubt. No doubt. It would look fucking... And what I'd like to see is the visual effects. How much fucking amazing it'd be now. Imagine how how they could make the chains look like now. Oh, dude. You know, even when he was... Or even the lightning coming out of the box. Yes. Yes. So even that point where he pulls the nail out of his head and part of his brain comes out with it. Yeah. How more realistic that would actually look doing that now. So, yes, it would be exciting to potentially see a Hellraiser reboot, but I'd be really, really scared that it'd taint the image of what it was done. Like, no one's touched it since. Hmm. And I think any sane director, the only people I'd entrust to redo that... Actually, that's another good question. Who would you entrust to do it if they were going to do it again? Guillermo del Toro. You want Guillermo to do it? Yeah, because he has the vision. He's artistic, so I kind of feel like he'd have an understanding of what needs to be brought for that character. Like, you know, as a director, I think there's a difference between a director and an artist. Okay. There are certain directors that are more artist-based. Like, I look at um, Tarantino as an artist. Yeah, I get it. I look at Scorsese as an artist. Yeah. 
I even look at Bruckheimer as a director. Even though Scorsese hates Marvel films. He does. Uh, there's a lot of backing behind that, that as well. That makes me sad. Why? Uh, I mean, like, let's save that for another topic because I feel like we could go on for a long time about yeah, that one. Yeah, we definitely could. So, yeah, that that's kind of my stance on it. Like, I'd like to see a reboot, but I'd be really, really apprehensive about it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And that was that. There we go. Hellraiser. Fuck yeah. If you haven't watched the original 1987 Hellraiser film... Would recommend. Watch it. Yeah. It's it's a good movie. If you're into old school slashes and you like that sort of stuff, by all means, get on board. Yeah, I'm telling it, you. It's a good one. Yeah, it is a goodie. Like, again, take into consideration when it did come out because Correct. it came out a long fucking time ago. Acting's how horrible. The um, special effects are nothing amazing. It no. kind of It can sort of distract you from the main story. But like I said, even with all that in play, it still feels eerie. Yeah. It still feels evil. And you purely watch it to see him. Yeah. The presence he has on screen and the way he even talks. Even though it's not long, just that presence he has. Oh, fuck, it's ominous. It's fucking... It just... It, it says everything. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. So definitely watch it, guys, if you yeah. haven't done so already. Exactly. And so there that's we a go. Wrap. That's a wrap for t- Halloween ni- uh, 2019. Woo! Fucking A. Yeah. There we go. That was awesome. It's been a year. Fuck well, yeah. fuck. I know. And we started September last year. We did. And we've been going, and it's October the following year. It is. Boom. It is. Yeah. Fuck. Yep. We've made it. We made it. We have. So there we go. Fucking hell, Hellraiser. Great so, movie. do you want to do a bit of a plug? Oh, yeah, I'll start. I'll, I'll do the the, uh, the use. The use. Well, you know, the use. So, if you haven't done so already, guys, be sure to go like and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, iTunes, Google Podcasts, CastBox, um, and various other podcast apps, and also Spotify. I forgot, almost did. Thank God, that please one. mention that. But yeah, there's we're pretty much everywhere now. Um, and also, if you haven't done so already, jump onto our social medias on Instagram, Rebels Without a Clue 03, Twitter, Rebels Without a 1, and Facebook, Rebels Without a Clue Podcast. Amazing. There we go. Um, and I'm going to throw this out there. Okay. So for those of you who become active and ongoing listeners and who make an effort to respond to comments and talk about what we could potentially do in next episodes, you will get... A pig t-shirt at a reduced cost. We are going to give them away, which normally retail at $49.95. We are willing to do them at $30. Are we? We are. Okay. Just as a little teaser. We'll see what happens. I guess. See what happens. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Uh, do you want to plug yourself? Well, you know what? You can plug my asshole over at, uh, on Instagram at tboner80figs. And on Snapchat, a T-Boner18. And for myself, uh, Bradles2505. That's two, B-R-A-D-E-L-S-2505. Two, two, two. Um, on Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook. So, yes. There you go. So, fucking, until next time, guys. We'll give it a good old fucking... Mm-hmm. Da- da- da-